Welcome to What is Your Bitcoin Story podcast with your host, Gigi. This is a podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin through the personal experiences and stories of those who have taken a dive down the rabbit hole. We explore Bitcoin stories with a diverse range of guests from early adopters, miners, traders, and maximalists. So join us on this exciting journey of past, present, and future Bitcoin, one story at a time. A lot of people automatically dismiss e-currency as a lost cause because of all the companies that failed since the 90s. I hope it's obvious it was only the centrally controlled nature of those systems that doomed them. I think this is the first time we're trying a decentralized, non-trust-based system. Satoshi Nakamoto. Welcome to What's Your Bitcoin Story, the podcast where we explore the fascinating world of Bitcoin. I'm your host, Gigi, and today we have a special guest joining us to hear their unique journey down the Bitcoin rabbit hole. Today's guest is Eugene, who is a software engineer currently based in the UK. And throughout his 20s, he went from an aspiring fiction writer to a smart contract tinkerer to a professional software engineer serving millions of customers. His interest in Bitcoin encompasses the technical and philosophical visions of Bitcoin. So get ready for an incredible conversation as we delve into the depth of Bitcoin with our exceptional guest, Eugene. We're honored to have you with us on this thrilling ride. So let's jump right into it. Welcome, Eugene. It's a pleasure to have you join us on the show today. Hey, Gigi. Uh, it's nice being here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a, it's a pleasure as, as always. So yeah, well, I, I would love to hear how, how you stumbled upon Bitcoin and, and essentially how, how your story started or, or maybe it wasn't even Bitcoin as, as, as it usually isn't for most people. So what's, what's, your, uh, what's your story? Yeah, it's um, you know, it's been a, it's been a long it's been a long process to be honest. Uh, it wasn't like uh, you know I've discovered it instantly understood it. I think um, probably like in my early twenties, I was thinking about it just the other day. I um, as a lot of people, I was using Bitcoin to buy. I think it was like Modafinil, which is like a, a thing you buy to you know concentrate basically. Um, I didn't understand Bitcoin at all back then. Uh, it was just like people were talking about it. Um, so that's kind of where it started. But um, what, what year was that? Uh, that would have been, let me think. It would have been quite early on, actually. I mean, it would have been 2013, probably. Oh, wow. A decade yeah, ago. A decade ago. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> But it was, you know, it was very sporadic, and uh, I was like, whatever, you know. They say I should, I should use that. I'll use that. <laughs> um, after that, it was kind of on and on and off. Um, but I would say in 2017, I I got into, so I had some Bitcoin left from those early years, and I was like. Mm -hmm. I, I went on my old laptop and, and just suddenly saw it there and I was like, holy shit, you know, amazing. And I uh, instantly proceeded to uh, waste it all on different shit coins. <laughs> uh, I was like, oh, wow, you know, there was this like hype in the in the media. And I was like, I need to really understand all of that. And um, I was um, 
as you mentioned in the intro, uh, my background actually was fiction writing. So I was I was spending like late nights writing fiction, spending online, and um, you know, and then I kind of started researching other different altcoins. And um, I mean, to be fair, Ethereum was the main one. You know, I, I wasn't like uh, spreading myself too thin. At the same time, also I got into programming. Um, I was getting a little bit, um, I, I mean, it was, I, I always enjoyed fiction writing, but I kind of also wanted to branch out a little bit and programming was another kind of creative avenue that I, that I thought was fun. And of course with Ethereum, you've got that pull factor of, you know, oh, Hey, you can actually like code program. Um, yeah. you know, there's some weird things, smart contracts. I was reading people like i think nick nick as shaba i don't know how to pronounce his surname who's like yeah, a smart yeah 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 um so that was kind of when i got the first time i got a bit more conscious like a slightly more conscious entry into the space and the movement towards bitcoin and away from all the other coins was again pretty gradual uh kind of like different ups and downs mm -hmm. um I would say by 2020, I was I was kind of like getting a little bit wary of all different scams. I almost fell prey to some of them. I luckily didn't. Always had the kind of common sense to just not press the button in the last moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I would say in around 2020, um, I kind of like got a little bit disillusioned or was getting disillusioned with, with a lot of um, Ethereum-based stuff. And then, uh, you know, migration to proof of stake was, which was more recent, but I would say that was kind of like the chatter about it was definitely kind of like getting my, I don't know, alarm, alarm bells up a little bit. The red um, flag popped up. The red flag. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, one of many that you just kind of ignore <laughs> for a while, you know? Um, yeah. And then I guess when I started seriously about Bitcoin was, you know, I read a Bitcoin standard. I was like, okay, I want to. You know, I like reading, uh, so let me read about it, <laughs> read a bit, a bit more. You know, I was reading like technical papers before. Yeah. Then I kind of got a little bit more into the more philosophical stuff or, or economic. So I, so I read Bitcoin Standard. I also read uh, Thank God for Bitcoin, uh, Jimmy Song's book. And uh, mm -hmm. I do appreciate kind of spiritual uh, dimension as well. And it got me, well, like this, you can basically approach it from all kinds of different angles. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, just gradually I kind of lost interest sometime in a more hostile way, sometime in a more indifferent way towards all the other kind of, I guess, digital, digital currency stuff and mm. kind of focused on Bitcoin. Nice. So, so would you say today you, you only hold Bitcoin or you also ha have, have some alts and sort of say in your holdings? No, I, I, I only hold Bitcoin. I, I did have some, but I, you know, as people sometimes say that I meet who are Bitcoiners, I sleep much better if I just hold Bitcoin. That is true. That is true. Well, well, I, I guess with, with that statement, you're the perfect guest and, and I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking to you today because, you know, not many people venturing in, call it the, the crypto realm. Um, stumble upon Bitcoin, but then, as you say, they, they get sucked in, in, in into all sorts of shitcoins or, or altcoins, whatever you want to name them. Um, and, and then it's kind of unfortunate that still to this day, a lot of people hold some Bitcoin, but then they also hold a big majority of, of these alts, which 
essentially are are here today and gone tomorrow as as history shows us over the last so to say four or five years with especially with the ico boom it was crazy there was you know uh, basically a token being rolled out every hour for from the falafel token to it was just crazy so so it's interesting to hear that kind of you you started from bitcoin dipped your toes went for a little swim in the alt altcoin pool and then kind of said that this is not for me i'm, I'm going down the bitcoin road yeah i think you know it's like you learn or you know i learned by actually i guess making some of the mistakes that people are warning about and and i mean some of them aren't even known in advance right i mean it's a pretty fresh yeah. industry or fresh kind of class of assets and sure. um yeah you know it's not clear you know when someone says oh it's uh you know it's a scam you sort of like you you, you know you kind of want to see that or like at least i wanted to or i had to rather see that myself and then see okay i can actually now see you know, in some ways, it's like signal and noise, right? Yeah. But to see the signal, you also need to kind of, I guess, understand what the noise is. <laughs> and see past the noise, not 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 and being influenced by exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Perfect. And and then, so I want to touch a little bit upon also since since I believe you're the first guest who's who's an actual programmer on on the show. Um, so I wanted to hear kind of have had like what, what was your experience with with kind of with programming in, in crypto? I, I believe you, you tinkered with smart contracts you mentioned, right? On on the Ethereum blockchain. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Well, it's in some ways these kind of two worlds, you know, have my my kind of day job, which is, you know, traditional software engineering. Um mm -hmm. And kind of more like crypto or or now say Bitcoin programming. I mean, in some ways they're they're I mean they're similar, but also I guess in in, in a way I see them also quite different. Um, when I was playing with different smart contracts and and kind of Ethereum based stuff, um, yeah, I think it was it was quite interesting. But um, with Bitcoin is the the different the approaches i suppose are let me let me phrase that sure take your time yeah what i would say is the way i approach for example bitcoin programming now or or kind of the technical side of it is that there is a lot of problems similar to what we're solving in the non-bitcoin space you know scalability mm -hmm. uh you know when you're running your bitcoin node uh or maybe if you're a company running a bitcoin node you know you want you're, you're worried about things like uh, high availability that it is always available basically or that it's you know it doesn't just the you know the connection drops or the power drops and it disappears from the network uh, if you want your kind of 24 seven business. So I think like there's a lot of lessons that you can take from, from your regular software engineering and kind of system design. And, and I think maybe Bitcoin spaces still needs to implement some of these, I guess, kind of like, you know, um, signs of maturity or like, um, mature approaches to how run, you know, complex infrastructure. I mean, I, I definitely see it happening. And also, just to be clear, my full-time, you know, day job is not in Bitcoin. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm, I work mostly with just kind of your regular software, software engineering. Um, 
But I think, yeah, I think there's a kind of cross-pollination there, even though Bitcoin protocol itself is very different to what you would normally work when you work with, uh, you know, software engineering. Um, in some ways, it's more fun. You know, it's more low level. There's a lot more, uh, there's a lot more to learn. Um, compared with Ethereum or like smart contracts, smart contracts is much more similar to your regular kind of software engineering um, approaches or languages, you know, like Solidity mm -hmm. or Viper. So I would say the learning curve is less when it comes to Ethereum, which maybe explains why there's, you know, there's a lot of like materials available online, etc. cetera. But, um, but yeah, but I would say the kind of underlying infrastructural concerns, availability, scalability, all of that, you know, this is just common across the industry. Personally, when I, you know, I've been spending a lot of time in kind of technical parts of Bitcoin last year, um, you know, with nodes and with um, um, and with the protocol itself, you know, it is it is a lot of fun to learn. But sometime, you know, after spending a day doing that, I'm like I'm frazzled. <laughs> you know, it gets tedious. Um, <laughs> um, tedious, maybe it's more like it's actually requires quite like intense. I mean, as any to be fair, as any good software development, it requires intense concentration and intense thinking. You know, intense mm. problem solving. I, I hope you have some modafinil stash uh, still left over for, for, for <laughs> not, not enough. With the protocol. Not anymore. Unfortunately, I have to rely on coffee now. You know, but I mean, I'm I'm happy with it for now. <laughs> well, uh, what what one one big good French press and and Bitcoin protocol goes a long way. I hear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do sometimes wonder why not more um, regular kind of software engineers are interested in something like Bitcoin. Um, I mean, I've noticed that, you know, in the um, in a company where I work or in my, you know, have obviously a lot of programmer friends and it's definitely a minority of people who are excited or like who, who kind of are interested in like um, digging deep in, in, in something like Bitcoin. And I do sometimes wonder what it is, you know, like why, because it seems like a, a fascinating technical problem or a technical um, a technology. Um, yeah. So that, that's something that I've kind of, I've been, you know, I've thought about it. You know, I see different friends, programmers, like posting memes about like, kind of like dissing Bitcoin technology sometime. And I'm, I'm curious about what, what drives that. I, I don't know myself personally. Well, I mean, top of my head, just, just hearing what you're mentioning, I think one big factor that, that dictates this is kind of the, the financial rewards, right? Because... I mean, every everything that's been done so far in the Bitcoin protocol was, was pretty much been done out of good faith and kind of philanthropy, right? Like the true cipher funks, true libertarians, you know, working on on, on building it and, and, and make it more resilient. But whereas, as we see today, most blockchain developers are all on Solidity and, and working on Ethereum. I think the reason is because there's so many of this basically spin-off projects which are trying to be the next, I don't know, you know, smart contract auditor, smart contract accountants, you know, smart contract real estate agents. So I guess it's the, the big factor is kind of the, the monetary rewards. Don't, don't you think so? That's true. Yeah, I, I think, um, well, I mean, so software does have a long tradition of open source. Um, it's kind of in the DNA, really, I think, of software engineering. But I think you're right in a sense that 
Yeah, I mean, with Ethereum, you have basically, oh, it's going to be like uh, a new Facebook on, on Ethereum, or it's going to be, uh, you know, a new Uber on Ethereum. It's basically the same thing over and over again, right? It's going to be a new X on Ethereum. It's not clear yeah. if it should be on Ethereum or on blockchain at all. <laughs> um, Very true. <laughs> and, um, you know, obviously users are incentivized by like offering airdrops or giving them money basically to use it. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, Bitcoin, Bitcoin has a very different culture. Um, I think one thing about that I really like about Bitcoin space, both in terms of its te you know, technology and also um, just the cultural space around it, is that it has quite high expectations of people who engage with it. You know, there was this phrase, I think actually initially it says somebody like George Bush said it. I'm not a fan of George Bush, but I think it's a good quote. Something like low big, um, uh, soft bigotry of low expectations right the That's idea being one. that it's a good one i agree yeah i didn't take in a different context but i think as a contextless phrase is good <laughs> and i think it's like yeah i mean bitcoin space has pretty high expectations for people you know and that's a good thing um mm. i've been to about you know i've been to a few different bitcoin uh like uh, meetups and conferences uh here in the uk and in europe and you know every time i go there there are I mean, just like really fascinating energy of like really engaged people. But one thing is common is that, you know, there's a lot of like thinking, exploring, um, kind of exchanging ideas happening. Um, something that I would say is missing in a lot of other spaces, you know, where people just kind of mm -hmm. meet maybe like for a party or something like that. Where's the free booze? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I guess maybe part of that also um you know i was also thinking like uh there is yeah bitcoin offers a certain amount of security and i think probably like people who kind of start appreciating what it does feel and um ethereum kind of offers the opposite in some ways right because i mean there are different scams you can you know a lot of kind of financial architecture just re-engineered on a new tech stack without you know any substantial difference and um so i think you're kind of hit on the nail initially that it's about incentives you know different incentives invite kind of or attract like a magnet different different players yeah yeah well and, and unfortunately you know kind of the the society we live in today like everything is more or less dictated by money right everybody's looking you know where can i make an extra buck you know kind of where, where 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 can I get better ROI for my for my money of sorry for my time spent on on working on a project? So I think hence that that could be one one big catalyst. But I'm still you know hopeful and you know I believe that just like ourselves you know and and the true believers in Bitcoin and kind of liberating ourselves from from this corrupt and and cabal banking system you know there will be more and more people as we progress and as Bitcoin matures. Um, more developers will dedicate, you know, their spare time to 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 helping, you know, build the network and and make the protocol as as best as it can be. For sure, yeah, and and I think there is an element to like Bitcoin, um, say Bitcoin protocol or 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 technology. There is a certain kind of magnetism around it, you know. Um, I don't know, like, how long have you been in the in the space? So since like mid two thousand seventeen, so. Basically, more or less, some six years. I'm um, class class of 2017 Bitcoin. 
Okay, and and would you say were you like um, full time, or like were you just Bitcoin straight away, or were you you know was it a a gradual journey? No, it was. It it, it actually took me. Um, so so this is something I cover in, in in the Genesis episode. So the listeners that haven't heard definitely go go back to the first one. But my journey was kind of just the the whole realm of of cryptocurrencies, this euphoria that was happening, and and you know the ICOs and everything. It it was just this whole new paradigm of new digital assets. And and it actually took me some solid three four years. Um, so I would say like mid 2020 when the light bulb really opened up, and you know, I kind of I did the separation between Bitcoin and and all other cryptocurrencies, which were essentially all trying to be better than Bitcoin. But let's be honest, I mean, like Bitcoin is is much more than just a monetary value, right? The the, the whole sovereign aspect and and you know, actually being an owner of of and being self custodian of of, of your actual digital wealth and as you said which is a very important factor to me is i like to sleep like a baby at night right i i, I don't like to be stressed out oh what's happening to this project oh have i landed to this project am i going to get rugged am i not um so actually for me it it took quite some time and from 2018 until um i would say 2019 so for a solid one and a half years i was full-time in crypto and still it took me time to to really differentiate the, the two Okay, yes. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So it's kind of similar in the sense 2020 was like the year when that, that change happened for both of us. But I think, I guess the reason I asked was because I think there is a certain kind of like uh, magnetism to this technology, you know, it was like mm -hmm. I never felt that the time that I spend studying or engaging or talking about Bitcoin is like, you know, oh, am I like wasting my time or something, you know? It's like I just yeah. never, never had that... Um, that pro you know that feeling but it does take yourself is, is this something am i wasting my time on kind of right exactly yeah you know i was like is it just like uh you know my i don't know phase. What, what, <laughs> yeah yeah i never had that you know I, I always had a kind of like um a certain kind of deep attraction to it so i i am curious about that and i just sometimes wonder like in my experience so for some context, I, I was born in Latvia uh, with um, uh, had Russian fa uh, Russian family, mm -hmm. and you know just around when I was born, you know my as a lot of people in the ex Soviet Union, uh, you know my grandmother, for example, lost all her savings, right? Just almost, mm -hmm. I mean, overnight, quote unquote. But yeah. uh, you know, in a short amount of time, you know, the whole regime changed, everything changed, and I think there is something to be said for um bitcoin being appealing a lot to um people i think in eastern europe for example um you know for example among my friends uh in eastern europe people who i would not expect to have bitcoin actually have bitcoin <laughs> you know like just like a regular you know i i go some i go, I go back or like you know just meet people and and then they say, oh, yeah, actually, I hold some Bitcoin. And, you know, they're not even particularly like interested in like tech or like, you know, um, it never almost never happens in the UK where I would, you know, meet somebody, say, middle class or, you know, uh, who grew up in the UK. And, and unless they have a pronounced kind of like interest in tech or, or, or economics. Um, so I do think maybe there is an element of, you know, when you're, kind of like born into a, a kind of a social sense of insecurity, you know, insecurity about different institutions and insecurity about um, 
I guess, fiat currency, you know, it was like yeah. it's one thing again. It's one thing to kind of be told, you know, oh, historically all fiat currencies go to zero, you know, and it's a different thing to actually see it. Experience you know? it. And and, and exactly, time. exactly. Like you have to experience the Ethereum scam, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. like in Latvia, there was a different currency when I was, you know, I was there and I, and I left um, in my late teens. But, you know, it was a different currency, lot. Right. And then, um, you know, it seemed pretty stable to me, you know, when I was five or seven or 10. Uh, and then I left and then I got back and I went back to visit my family. And, you know, lot wasn't there anymore. You know, it's here. And I mean, I'm not yeah. saying it's good or bad. Right. But it's still yeah. the new system in place. Exactly. Yeah, it just illustrates that, you know, the, the th things change pretty fast. And I think Eastern yeah. Europe is one of those regions where just things do change, you know, whether, you know, regimes and, and currencies. So I think like there is that pull, pull or push factor to something like Bitcoin, uh, where the kind of its value is immediately clear, you know, on a kind of almost, yeah, not even fully conscious level, you know, you just know, okay, you know, there is something to be said about actually a currency that no one can be it's like scarce. now we're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think living in the UK and or like say, you know, meeting people from the UK, I think it's a much harder thing to wrap your head around because everything is very stable here. Yeah. Uh, and you take I everything mean, you know, for granted. I mean, in general, right? Like the, the first world countries. Exactly. Yeah. You know, British pounds been around for a long time. Of course, it like, <laughs> you know, changes in value and doesn't mean that it's going to stay forever. Right. But at the same time, it's uh, there isn't this like inner sense or like inner knowing of uh, fallibility of these, um, you know, institutions or currencies. And so I think yeah. like, as you said, you, you take, yeah, you take some of these things for granted and, and, and uh, you kind of like, what, why do I need something else or something like that? No, for sure. I, I think you touched upon some some very interesting points, and um, I, I believe it's 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 also part of human nature, right? When when you're comfortable, you you don't really want to change, right? Because why change when you can just stay the way you know things are? And and I think in Bitcoin's case, it's it's very interesting where you touched upon kind of the nations which are the well, maybe not front runners, but definitely the, the the front adopters are essentially nations that have either gone through turbulent times or are currently going through turbulent times. Like, you know, we see with inflation in Argentina, in Lebanon, in Turkey, in African nations. I mean, a lot of people are are opting out the system and, and seeing Bitcoin as kind of as a safe haven and, and preservation of, of their of their wealth, essentially. And and then we look at kind of the, the developed world where everything is, at least on paper, cushy and, you know, comfortable. Um, and they're kind of lagging behind. And then, you know, it's only a matter of time. Um, as my father, you know, famously said, you know, no empire lasts forever. And this kind of this American empire that's been running the world with, with a petrol daughter for the last hundred years, it's, uh, its lights are slowly shutting off. And there's going to be a lot of change even in the developed world. And it's funny to see how the the developed world, like people of the developed world, will actually be at the back of the line to adopt in it compared to let's say third world countries where you kind of think, you know, they have nothing, but actually they're they're implementing this technology before, so to say, the, the third world country. It's a very interesting aspect. One hundred percent, yeah. You 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 kind of put it exactly right, I think, in a sense that 
Yeah, there is there is like a push and pull factor, right? And uh, for me, I think for a lot of people, you know, yeah, pain is like the the you know ultimate like teacher or lesson, you know. Yeah. You know why change if things are working out well? Of course, you can make an argument. Yeah, you know, I mean, the the developed first world, the you know the comfort that it has is in a lot of ways you know, extracted from the rest of the world. So yeah. it's not necessarily kind of uh, an effect of just inherent productivity in that world. You know, and to that point, I think part of the problem with something like Ethereum or other cryptos, right, is that they, they're just trying to recreate the same sort of esoteric financial instruments that exist already in the, in, you know, in, uh, Very true. in the West. In the traditional um, markets. In the, exactly in the traditional markets that his, like over the past 20 30 years i mean have basically robbed the places even the western countries of of a lot of yeah. productivity um not really instrument of like fair wealth creation you know unfair wealth creation for sure and but i think bitcoin is a very different thing for that reason yeah so there's a kind of like um that differentiation i think in terms of like is the west gonna be slower at adopting Bitcoin. Um, well, yes and no, right? I think Balaji was making a point that it's like, there's the power users, that's mostly from Western countries. So people who kind of want to be first and using the cutting edge technology, uh, you know, different use cases, right? And from from like uh, spaces like Eastern Europe or, or South America, it's uh, not necessarily power users. And that definitely is true in my experience, you know, it's just people getting there because it solves some kind of problem for them. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I mean- I think also, yeah, no, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. I don't wanna cut you No, I was, just gonna, I was just gonna say, but it's, it's, a, it's a peculiar, it's a peculiar thing, yeah, to see how, I guess what kind of value proposition Bitcoin is currently making in the West and, you know, in the UK and the US, you know, while the system is sta as stable as it appears to be, I think it's like, it's again, hard to kind of like see through it basically. <laughs> the key word was appears. <laughs> and that's yes, I, I, did, I didn't know. <laughs> but that was good. Right, yeah. I mean, just kind of the, the last thought I want to add on that is, is also kind of the, the perspective that you know different cultures look at it as we said like the the countries that the, the few that i just listed but there's many more that are going through super turbulent and and essentially a financial crisis at the moment they see bitcoin as as wealth preservation and kind of their only hope and then you have as we said the developed countries which i believe to 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 the large extent they look at it as a speculative investment instrument to Oh, if I buy a 30,000, you know, how long will I go until Bitcoin reaches 100,000, 500,000, 1 million, whatever their target is, right? But the people that are opting out the system, they're not really looking at when is Bitcoin going to be at a certain price. It's I need to save whatever is left in my current system and, and kind of survive of it. So it's it's looking at a glass, you know, as the saying goes, is is the glass half full or half empty? And I, I think it's it's also different circumstances that Bitcoin does show up as a different mechanism or vehicle or, or however you want to call it so and it's very interesting because if we zoom out and we look at this this tiny little 
blue blob planet that we have in the galaxy called Earth, like we all live on this tiny, tiny little, tiny little planet, and and yet this this technology, which is so fresh and new, what Bitcoin's been around for fourteen years, not forty or four hundred years, it's it's really rippling through the kind of the, the broken system that we have, and and it's just fascinating every year as it passes um, how things develop and and how it grows, and actually it becomes more resilient um the worst the traditional markets get so i think the 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 best days for bitcoin are yet to come and, and we're still in this kind of discovery er, super early discovery stage um so i think you know kind of we, we have a long way to go and and good thing we're young so, so we can actually watch watch this little baby grow up 100 <laughs> yeah I, th I think it's um it's true that the value proposition is kind of discovering is being discovered in the process in a in the process right it's not like you know i mean it's with everything you know you, you you create something or you know something is being created and i think people were saying how in like early 20s they were like having to run ads for electricity so that people like actually used electricity uh because it wasn't immediately apparent why <laughs> why do it um you know use cases are are kind of discovered in the in the historical process um when like and kind of things time. happen sorry definitely and it takes and it takes time right like as as the saying goes rome was not built in a week right it, it takes takes plenty of time for people to process and sink in and actually have the light bulb moment where you know when they realize this is not just another crypto crypto shitcoin but you know this is uh this is um, a way to opt out of of the system and you know take control of of your own digital wealth yeah definitely and i think um uh that sense of ownership is not easily appreciated again when you see bitcoin as just another as you mentioned earlier as another um investment you know, as, as just yet another investment vehicle that maybe in a couple of years will give me a certain amount of returns. Of course, mm. people are driven by money and that's not a not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But I think it's hard to appreciate it when you treat it just like that. And again, um, it, it comes down to, you know, where people are in terms of like, I guess, their life or the problems that they're trying to solve. But uh, it's when you, you know, People now compare Bitcoin to like real estate and but a general sense of ownership. You know, this is something that is yours and you can yep. take it abroad or you can again, you know, um, Soviet Union might stop existing. Uh, I mean, or like some other empire might st might stop existing in a in a month's time or something like that. You don't you don't really see when it's coming. You know, mm. but and, and all the institutions can change, but that thing won't change. I think it's pretty powerful. I think it's pretty rare, actually. Yeah, that thing that it's just it will remain the same thing. And when you tell people, or or even when you think about it yourself, you can understand why it's kind of hard to maybe sometime initially wrap your head around it because you're like, well, you own it, but then people think of ownership as something physical, right? And Bitcoin, you can obviously make a point that it's physical, but you know, something you can actually hold in your hand or like, I don't know, enter sure. like a flat. Um, sure. So I think it's um, it's uh, similar to internet is a different, I guess, 
different space. Um, but once you start appreciating, it really dawns on you how rare it is. Um, even if you haven't gone through a process of like, you know, regime change or, or currency change, it's still, there's not a lot of things that you can just basically own wherever you are. Mm. You know, not tied to any specific geographical location. Very true. And, and I think like to, to add to, to what you just mentioned, you know, people's argument, well, especially the no coiners who say, you know, it's, it's not physical. I can't hold it in my hands. Well, I also see that as an advantage because to the contrary of, you know, like hoarding gold bars or real estate, if, as you said, if the regime changes, all of that can be confiscated of you. But the Bitcoin that you have, you know, as long as you remember those 12 or 24 words, which whichever one you have, no one can actually, you know, get access to it. And, and that's something so powerful that the average person, you know, it, it, it takes, like in my case, sometimes years for it to really, you know, click and, 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 and come to fruition. So I think it's, or as you said, sorry. No, I just said, or in my case, I mean, it took me like a decade. <laughs> well, you know, it, it, it takes time. It, it will it take half a year, one year, 10 years, as long as it clicks, um, you're good. You're good. So let me then touch upon, um, I think we've gone down a, a very philosophical route of, of Bitcoin, but I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I could talk hours, but to, to kind of stick more to, 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 to your story, you mentioned, um, which I'm a big proponent of Bitcoin nodes and, and kind of playing around with them. Kind of what, what, what was your experience with, with running your own node and, and what would you like to share with the, with, with the audience? How important is it if, if you really believe in Bitcoin to run your own Bitcoin node at home or your company? whichever setting you're in that's a great question i think it's a great question because it's again not not immediately apparent to people why it's important or why it's great um i think my experience with bitcoin nodes i first ran a number uh umbral node um but soon after i set it up again because i have a, a kind of a technical interest i was like <laughs> Uh, there's just too much abstract. Everything is everything is abstracted. I, you know, I still don't understand what's 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 actually running there. And uh, I I kind of uh, deleted Umbral and went down the the manual process of you know installing Bitcoin Core, setting up Tor, all of these best practices. And you know, I have to say, I mean, there are many different reasons to run a Bitcoin on, right? But one of them. For me personally, that was one of the key parts when it started to click even more. You know, it's like when you <clears throat> when you're connecting your node and you're running um, mm. Bitcoin. You know, and I was looking at the logs, and in the log you can see, okay, outbound, you know, out outbound connection. You know, like a peer discovered. Yeah. You know, and that's when it like, and then you see that blog downloads, and you're like, okay, wow, you know, so I'm connected to some somebody else right now, and we're and, you know, and like seeing that, like printed out in your terminal or whatever, wherever it is, yeah. that was quite that. That was very eye-opening. Uh, eye-opening, yeah, yeah. Again, it's like that gradual thing of actually like making it more physical, or like saying, okay, so somebody's running exactly the same thing, you know, doing the same thing as I am. I don't know in the UK or in 
Latvia Zimbabwe. or in the US. <laughs> yeah, anywhere really. Um, sure. So for me, that was like a great, I, I just, I remember very clearly sitting in my room and, uh, you know, looking at the logs and being like, whoa, <laughs> that's amazing. Um, so yeah. I, I did go down the manual route. I mean, it's probably not for everybody, you know, but um, it's also not super complicated, to be honest, um, especially if you have at least a little bit of um, like a little bit of like uh, software programming knowledge. Uh, but of course, Umbrel and other similar services, you know, they they make it like ridiculously easy, too easy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah. That, that was my question because I, I personally myself I, I still kind of run on, on my node on, on Umbro because I'm a non-technical guy and to me it was just it was too easy it was literally just create an account download the Bitcoin core on onto the Umbro server and there you go like there there was nothing really else to do and and my question is how how like would a non-technical person have a hard time setting up their own so to say, independent node running on their own spare laptop or or computer, um, with with just the Bitcoin core, would would that be something that's doable, or or it still takes a few, so to say, programming steps to to get that up and running? So I think if you're using your laptop or like you know a laptop, that probably mm -hmm. would make it a little bit easier. Because I mean, one of the kind of technical things that you know might slow it down is you know I run it on Raspberry Pi, so mm -hmm. um kind of um doing all the setting up raspberry pi you know ssh into it all of that stuff you know permissions kind of um all the kind of linuxy stuff might make it a little bit tricky even mm. for me to be honest you know because i don't work at this kind of like low level in my day job very often you know it took you know a few tutorials Having said that, the great thing about programming is that there is like a lot of tutorials online. So I would say it's more about just having the motivation and the time to do it. Um, if you're running it on your laptop, however, you probably won't have to be as concerned with with, with things like that, you know. So I think mm -hmm. you can just download the the application Bitcoin Core. I think there is graphical interface you can use, and um, you know I would imagine it's quite easy overall. Um, but you know the i mean i'm going to say cliche but what's the, the 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 journey is the destination something like that the point no, is it's, like it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not about the destination it's about the journey exactly yeah like the 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 i think it's the process of doing it and seeing the different different moving parts that actually what constitutes what you know is bitcoin is what is amazing about it you know so mm your kind of, I guess, first question about like, why run it? Of course, there are all these reasons like support the network, right? Support decentralization yeah, yeah. of the network, um, enhance privacy when you're making transactions. Uh, you know, you don't yeah. need to rely on external, I don't know, Electrum server or something like that. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can kind of run it all yourself. You broadcast. Don't trust verify as they famously say in Bitcoin, right? Exactly, don't trust exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is very, um, I mean, this is like, generally correct statements and that's all true but i think personally for me it's again sovereignty is is a set of practices but also there's a certain experiential um i guess growing or something like a sense of like you know i actually understand what it means you know i understand what what you know what exactly 
it means to be your own bank or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and to your point about sleeping like a baby, which apparently a lot of Bitcoiners like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, um, that, that's that's kind of one one building block in that. So I, I think it's a very, yeah inherently fulfilling process. Um, I would recommend anybody who hasn't done it to do it. Uh, I would say start with Umbrel as yeah, Umbrel is a good place to start. I started with Umbrel. Um, and then if you know people are, you know, if 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 you're kind of attracted to it, maybe try try doing it in a more manual way, um, kind of for fun. Yeah. Well, I, I think definitely I will. And, and and I think, yeah, as you said, if, if you want an easy setup, use Umbrel. But if you want to kind of have a little challenge and, you know, really go a little bit further and, and do it manually, it, it would definitely be your, the best way route to, to go set up your own, um, so to say, independent node you, using just downloading yeah. the Bitcoin core and, and running it on your laptop or yeah. Raspberry Pi, whatever, whatever you uh, prefer. Perfect. And well, then... Yeah, I would ahead. add to that point as well that, you know, when you're, again, it's like, yeah, like understanding that sovereignty that a Bitcoin offers is there are different building blocks, right? One of them, for example, tinkering or spending time with Bitcoin node. Another one might be uh, trying different wallets, you know, under, like uh, using, yeah. I don't know, multisigs potentially or, or um, delving deeper into UTXOs. I think all of these, like, when you kind of like do it all together, it it helps for things to click and mm. to feel much more confidence about storing your wealth in that space. Very true. In the kind of like a digital space, you know, again, that we're talking about how people are a little bit mistrustful of that. Well, you can make it very physical by <laughs> getting your Raspberry Pi <laughs> and, and uh, you know, uh, I don't know, connecting it to your router, uh, Wi-Fi router. Yeah, yeah. I have I have one more question that I, I wanted to bring up to you since kind of with your programming nature and kind of, you know, be, being a little bit more hands-on with Bitcoin as, as compared to other guests, um, is what is your opinion and or more correctly, what do you have any experience with, with, uh, with the second layer? So Lightning in specific and kind of what are your thoughts with, with Lightning and where, where that's leading? Um. So when it comes to Lightning, I would say I have experience as a user. And honestly, my experience as a user is amazing. You know, I've been to, um, I was in Prague um, last last month, conference, and there's so many places that accept Bitcoin. I mean, even here in the UK, not as many, but there are places that accept Bitcoin, uh, Lightning. And I mean, the experience is amazing. I think we can, you know, people obviously discuss how easy it is to set up and different kinds of custodial or non-custodial wallets, but uh, my main experience of Lightning is currently as a user. I do not run a Lightning node, although that's kind of on my list of things to try. Um, so I can't say too much about the technical side of Lightning um, mm -hmm. yet, <laughs> um, but as a user, I think it's it's great. So I, I don't I don't really know. I, I hear sometimes people say, "Oh, um, you know." Uh, I'm not a big fan, and I, I honestly I don't know why. Because I think even UX is getting much nicer, you know, and it's super fast um, and super cheap. And it's super cheap, yeah. I mean, it's you know, it's incredibly usable uh, at this stage. But yeah, but as for the technical side, that's kind of something on my on my list to um, 
to work with, but uh, I haven't. I can't say too much about the setting up, for example, Lightning Node. Yeah. Well, well, perfect. Well, I, I think on on that note, that, that that would be a great way to 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 bring you back in the future, Eugene, and 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 hear a little bit more about your experience with with running a, a Lightning Node. And there's there's a lot more things that I wanted to to ask you and cover, such as you know setting up multi-sigs and, and and different wallets and you know the, there's a whole array of things but we want to keep these episodes short and sweet for for our audience um but then again 100%. as i mentioned we would love I'd, to I'd have love. you back in the future and once again eugene thanks a lot for for taking the time um out of your busy schedule to, to come on jump on the show share your story about bitcoin and and i definitely uh believe that this is not the end of it and we have a lot more to hear and, and discover together in this space and once again th thank you very much for, for for being on here today um 100 yeah i'd love to i'd love to you know explore more come back on the show chat has been really nice chatting um i think it's uh it's a great thing um that you're doing with the podcast um and it's been really nice talking to you thank you thank you again eugene have a lovely uh, day or evening, and um, we look forward to having you back on soon. Excellent. Well, have a great day as well. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of What Is Your Bitcoin Story podcast. Remember to subscribe and share with your friends and family. For more valuable Bitcoin resources, visit our website at whatisyourbitcoinstory.com. Keep stacking sats, stay safe, and spread the Bitcoin revolution.